they sort of started out like any normal day and as the day went on and whatnot, you knew that things were getting pretty serious. That was like the longest hour and a half of my life because I didn't know whether I'd had a husband, mm. just not knowing if he was alive. In the midst of crisis, there's a lot of uncertainty and we go into survival mode. But what about in the aftermath? How do we recover and what helps the most? You're listening to Messages of Hope. Today, Andy Voigt is talking with Natalie and Gary. About three years ago, they were caught up in a severe bushfire. Within a short space of time, a fire that was 50 k's away was suddenly overwhelming their property. Earlier in the day, you could see the smoke, but then it felt as if like all the blinds got pulled down in the house and it just went really dark. But you are outside? Outside, yeah. I was out trying to chase sheep. And that was a really eerie feeling. Where were you, Natalie, through all of this? I was five minutes away at my work and I remember Gary ringing me and saying do you know there's a fire and I said yes it's about 47 k's away we'll be right won't we and he said yes but at three o'clock there's a wind change and we might be in trouble and I said well I'll have to go and get the children from school so I went into Kapunda to pick our boys up from school and you had to go in and sign for them so I went inside signed came out and basically couldn't see for the smoke, the ashes, the debris that was flying around. And knowing that I would have to drive straight into that to get home, I rang Gary and he said, stay where you are, I'll let you know when it's safe to come home. So along with a lot of other worried parents, we stayed in the big stone building of the school. But that was like the longest hour and a half of my life (laughs) because... Didn't know whether I'd had a husband. Yeah. Mm, mm. Just not knowing if he was alive. That was the worst thing. I didn't care about the house, whatever, just as long as he was still alive. Mm, mm. After the fire had gone through, like, what was was the damage? Basically, we had about 50% of our farm burnt out. 600 acres of crop that went. Um, 500 sheep got caught up in it. Had a mob of um, ewe lambs. We um, had vets come out and check them all. We shot 175 the first first time, and then there were a couple other times that we had to destroy a few more that weren't recovering. Oh, there's a few tears streaming down the face when you're doing it because it was just the hardest thing ever. But that's where the community came in because people that weren't affected came and helped. Yeah, it was just amazing. Coming up, we'll hear about the days immediately after the fire and the practical support that helped Natalie and Gary cope with the aftermath. messages of hope and we're talking with Natalie and Gary about the damage left by bushfire. What helped them cope? Friends of ours rang up or they called past that night about half past six. They'd obviously been elsewhere helping out and early next morning they rocked up and said oh what can we do? I just said I had a 22 here can you go and check the mob of you lambs Is there, if anything's not looking good you know destroy it put it down and that's so to actually have to do that to your own livestock, for me, was just I just couldn't go there and, and do that. So the group of fellas that were here did that for me. Another couple brought a generator. Fantastic, because we had no power for 22 hours. Mm. So we could charge our phones up so friends and rallies could mm. ring and see if you're mm. OK. Mm. Local bakery sent 
food out for all the workers and helpers. I think that, might, that day we had met 22 people rocked up here. One guy and his son came out and said, look, you know, show us the firefighting unit and we'll just drive around all your property and just put out anything that's smouldering or whatever, you know, just show them what to do and the way they went. So it's just one less thing you had to worry about. Really good, like the amount of help that offers that we got just blew you away. And has opened our eyes up to if that happens somewhere else, we know what they're going through. You don't want to inundate them, but you can actually say, okay, I'm coming to clean your house or bring your generator or make you a meal because, you know, you don't even feel like doing any of that. And how do you, and you, th- those feelings of like overwhelm or just lack of sleep and all those things, how long a period of time does it t- hang around for you guys? Like everyone would be different, I'm sure. I guess it's three years on and we still get emotional. <laughs> but, you know, you got over it in a few months just cleaning up because um, people came and helped us fence because we still had stock to keep in. But also got to the point where you had to say, okay, that's enough. We can't do any more. We need to have our own time. Mm-hmm. You need your own kind of space to recover. Yeah. Yeah, for more than, yeah. yeah. Like, because you're getting so many offers to help and whatnot, it's just trying to process it all, uh, you know, in your own time. Sometimes you just needed to just take time out just to, you know, breathe, basically. Mm. And like I said, the offers of help from everywhere is just... Yeah, it just blew me away. I think it was good to know that everyone's got your back because people were running around saving places just by putting water around. Um, people were concerned they'd ring up, you know, like you wouldn't have heard from them, but mm, you got yeah. phone calls from everywhere. You even got Facebook messages from Canada from people that knew where we lived and knew the fire was right there and they were really worried. Mm, so mm, just mm. the fact that wow, everyone does come together when there's a crisis Mm. and that your faith in humanity was really restored, really, wasn't it? Mm. Because it didn't matter who you were, everyone helped everyone. Mm. So that was amazing in itself. Yeah, it's really right. Yeah. Just makes you realise what does matter and what doesn't matter. Coming up, Natalie and Gary will share one simple thing that has been so important for dealing with the grief from the bushfire, even three years down the track. It's been three years since bushfire roared through Natalie and Gary's property. How are things three years down the track and how has the community coped? There was grants offered in the aftermath of the fire, which we then utilised to get the whole of the Bethel area together and just sit around and chat, not necessarily talk about the bushfire, but just to get realising that the community needs to have a bit of a morale booster. And we met at the Bethel Lutheran Church Hall and had a barbecue and used the money to buy the food and have a bouncy castle for the kids. And that was the sort of community things that were happening afterwards. Mm. Were there other things that happened? We've had lots of CFS meetings, you know, and and fiery days and fiery women and all that. So you learn... What was fiery women? (laughs) Oh, it's like they encourage the women to get together and um, learn what they can do. So around the home and stuff like that. That was the CFS organising. Yeah, CFS. Um, also, um, a lot of shed men places mm. have had a lot of support through them. So the men would get together, have mm. barbies and talk about it and share. Mm. Three years later, some people are still, you know, dealing with it 
in different ways internally that you, you can't really tell from the outside. Yeah. So those events help not give an opportunity for getting below the outside? Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. oh, guy I know that helped bury a lot of the sheep, like talking to his wife, she said he was really affected by it and all, you know, and some, you know, just digging holes, burying livestock. Mm. Easy not to think about all those people, mm. yeah. isn't mm. it? Like, oh, if you think of the people who've lived with the fire, that's yeah. the tra- traumatic thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But all those other support yeah, people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And a couple of these guys that, you know, you know they seem pretty strong-willed type guys, but when you sort of sit down and nail them, you know, like one guy got pretty emotional and, I got a lot of tears running down his face, mm. and um, <laughs> yep. pretty bloody hard. Mm. And that's three years on. Mm. <laughs> about five weeks ago, yeah, we were yeah. talking about that. Yeah, you know. So, mm. have you always been someone who's been able to talk about emotional or deep things like that, or is this something that's this fire's brought that out in you to be to be able to listen to others and share? Oh, I thought I was. I thought I'd always been travelling the right, but you talk to it sometimes and you, you sort of break down. Though some nights you'd wake up middle of the night crying and you wonder why you're doing it. I think it's you know? opened you up more. Mm. Yeah, mm. because you share. Like you, sh- if you share, it opens other people up. Mm. That's the great thing about shed men, is they're all men together, and yeah, they don't have to pretend that they're all tough and you know it doesn't affect them. Yeah. And I think we're talking about mental health a lot more openly. Mm. Oh, very much so. And CFS has dealt with that quite well. You know, that they have their support people. So really important, that, that whole thing of being able to share with each other. Oh, yeah. It's mm. yeah. super important. Mm. Very much so. Until You're not sure if you want to talk to a counsellor, but mm. then when you talk to a counsellor, you go, ah, that feels mm. better. Mm. Why don't you want to talk to a counsellor? Oh, you think, you know, you should be able to cope with it all and... You know, you're strong enough and you don't need to talk to someone, but talking to a complete stranger that doesn't judge you is quite helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also have seen the effects on someone else, you know, like and can be a listening ear and just tell you you're normal, which is great, you know, because mm-hmm. you don't know if you're normal or not, you know, how you deal with it all. Mm-hmm. So having that, that someone who's seen lots of people yeah it's reassuring that yeah, yeah you're okay yeah <laughs> exactly it's just right. normal yeah. yeah it's just normal yeah. yeah 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 normal to be like that yeah yeah for sure so i guess we've learnt quite a lot of things from the fire what to do right. next time mm. how everyone's affected and how you can help other people if they're in the same situation because mm. there will be more fires and for me god's in control no matter what happens you know you're not going to be void of having things happening to you yeah. because you believe in God, you know. So it's, you know that he's there to look after you and he has a plan for you, whatever that plan is. We've had plenty of challenges in the past that, you know, been put in our way that you look back on it and, yeah, there was a reason for that. So, um, you come out stronger. You come out stronger. Our, our faith is just... Constant. Constant and, um, you know, it's what we live by, yeah. listening to Messages of Hope. For more about the hope God can bring in times of crisis, go to messagesofhope.org.au or for a free booklet called Who Cares When I Hurt? Call 1-800-353-350. 
That's 1-800-353-350. I'm Celia Filkey from Messages of Hope, a part of the Lutheran Church where love comes to life. I hope you can join us again next week for another message of hope, real hope to cope with life's challenges.